Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again to listen to our short meditations from Voice of the Church. Last week, in discussing the second article of the Belgian Confession, we spoke about the general revelation of how God speaks to us and lets us know Him. It is in what we commonly call nature. What we call nature, and what the weatherman speaks of as Mother Nature, is spoken of in the Bible as the work terrain of God, which He upholds and maintains and governs. That's why the Bible never uses the secularized language that we have become so accustomed to when speaking about such things as sunshine, rain, and thunder. We often say such things as it rains, and it thunders, or it snows. That isn't really wrong, but as Christians we should recognize that then the Bible talks about the voice or the glory of the Lord. We read, for example, in Psalm 29, The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders. That is not just a sample of primitive poetry, but rather we should confess that it is precisely in that descriptive language that you see the light begin to shine on the reality of the works of the Lord in this world to this very day. Listeners, did you hear it? Have you heard the voice of the Lord this past week in the thunder or in the rain or the wind? Have you seen the snow? It is important to notice that language in the New Testament as well. Jesus lets the same light shine upon the works of his Father. Jesus says of his Father in heaven, He makes his sun shine on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Our Lord and Savior shows us also the lilies of the field, whom the heavenly Father arrays with glory. He points to the birds who neither sow nor reap, but are nevertheless cared for by our Heavenly Father. He mentions vines and fig trees, of grains that ripen, of wolves and sheep, of serpents and doves, and he tells us that in all those creatures we may see God's goodness and his almighty power. His unfathomable wisdom and his tender love and care displayed in his creation. This is a general revelation, the first book of God. And the Belgic Confession concludes this portion with these words, All these things, that is, his creation or God's general revelation, are sufficient to convict men and leave them without excuse. However, God also reveals himself to us more clearly and fully in his holy and divine word, the Bible, as far as it is necessary for us in this life, to his glory and our salvation. You've heard it said there is no conflict between the Bible and science, but that is at best a very misleading statement, As a matter of fact, it is potentially very dangerous. For the Bible is God's word, but all science is the word of man. The only time there is no conflict between the Bible and science, therefore, is when man speaks in harmony with the word of God as it is revealed to us in the Bible and as it is revealed to us in creation. The universe is like a beautiful book, a book that must be read and understood as written by the author a book that reveals who the Lord is in all his glory and majesty. Yes, it is a revelation that is in complete harmony with the second book, the Bible, which the Lord gave to man 
after the fall and because of man's fall into sin. Years ago, John Calvin confessed correctly that we now need the spectacles of the second book, the Bible, in order that we may be able to understand in truth what it is the Lord is revealing to us in his first book, God's General Revelation. It is true, mankind pours over the words of the Bible, and man diligently studies all of the many and various phenomena of creation. Everyone is confronted with the revelation of the Lord. In other words, all of them are confronted with the truth of God. He does not lead us astray, not by his second book, the Bible, nor by his first book, that is, his creation. It is important that we remind ourselves that God has not told us everything. He has only revealed as much as we need in this life for his glory and for our salvation. But then it is also crucial that we remember something else, namely that sinful man suppresses the truth. He does bad when he reads the Bible. Think again of the word of Paul about the Jews reading the Bible. With a veil over their faces, it is no different than when he reads the creation, which is also a most beautiful and elegant book. Look at Romans 1 for a moment. Verse 18 says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. And then verse 19 goes on and tells us that all of the requirements for knowing God are present right here on this earth. The Apostle Paul minces no words when he says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God's revelation, as it is shown in the creation of the universe, in the stars and in the birds and in the rocks and trees, penetrates their hearts too. They cannot get around it, and they cannot escape it. The fact is, by and through his creation, God speaks to one and all. By the works of his hands, God tells him about his eternal power and divine nature. Moreover, says verse 20, God has given them the ability, the mind, to understand that that is precisely what the creation is saying. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived in all things that have been made. Verse 21 says it even stronger. They knew God. Yes, they had come to a certain knowledge of God. Listen to what Paul writes. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And so it happened that they became futile in their thinking. That is, their thinking about and their reflecting upon what they had seen with their own eyes, it all became vain, empty, and worthless, because their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, says verse 22, and fools do foolish things. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Yes, listeners, they did it in Paul's day, and it is still being done today. We often feel or believe that the people of 2,000 years ago were a lot different than we are today. Sure, they lived different, but their thinking was no different than ours as it relates to the Lord God and his creation. People worship the creature, science, and their scientific methods, and their scientific conclusions, rather than the Creator. There surely is no conflict between the Bible, God's special revelation, and the word he speaks by the works of his hands, his general revelation. Both declare the glory of the Lord, both require an obedient listening, both say to all of us, 
you are without excuse. It is only by the grace of the Lord that we are able to read his word correctly. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ that we can come to the Father. And it is only through his holy and divine word, the Bible, that we can know Jesus Christ, and to know him is to have eternal life. Yes, it is only through him that we, that anyone, can hear, can understand in truth the word which our Father speaks through the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, a most beautiful book. So then, is there a message of hope in all of this? We live in a time where there seems to be a great deal of unrest. People feel anxious and even afraid of all the unrest and wonder how all this will end. The message of hope is that if God created all things and upholds all things with his mighty hand, he is in control. Hear the words of Psalm 46, verses 1 to 7. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose strength makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then in verse 10, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. If you have not yet confessed Jesus Christ as your only Savior, now is the time to do so. The evidence of the existence and power of God can be clearly seen in creation and clearly understood through the study of his special revelation, the Bible. We urge you to find a Bible-believing church so you can learn more about God's love, grace, and mercy. May the Lord of grace bless you and keep you during this coming week. Let us praise the Lord for all his wondrous works. We are the voice of the church, and you can visit us at www.voiceofthechurch.org. Thank you for listening today.